now for something special. The unit is self-contained with its own saddler, farrier, wheelwright and so on. It's a rigorous training dished out who know all there is to know about horses and it brings results. We take you behind the scenes now to show just some of the interesting aspects of this training. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the best podcast to create sounder horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF1 accreditation. On this week's show, a continuing story of the lost herd in Mineral Springs and discussion of hoofs in those conditions and also a case study of an uneven horse named Cody. All this and much, much more will be discussed here on Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. And over to my far hand side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Travis? I'm doing very well. So have you gotten enough turkey, enough Thanksgiving dinners? Have you gotten eaten all your leftovers and everything? Yes, a few times. What do you mean a few times? It's only you and the missus, right? Well, I went out and went to work. Hey, while you're here, why don't you eat Thanksgiving with us? I went to the next farm. Hey, while you're here, we'd love to have you eat Thanksgiving with us. And and here's the pie you don't need to eat, but you really, really need to eat this because we don't want to eat it. So Ooh, what kind of pie was it? It was an apple pie. Do you like apple pie? Cream. Oh, God, a la mode. Yeah, and I said a very little spot piece. They gave me about a quarter of a pie. <laughs> yeah, because they don't want it. They're like, get this out of the house. Right, yeah. So, of course, my wife and I, it's just my wife and I and my dad this year, and we always do like the turkey breast, so we have plenty of that leftovers, but we always cook a second turkey because we always want leftovers. Well, my dad doesn't eat a whole lot my wife and i of course you sit down you have one plate and that's about it right so we still have a three quarters of a turkey left over and then my wife the next day made a whole nother turkey now we just do the white meat the breast so we don't have like the dark meat legs and stuff right so i've got one and three quarters turkey still sitting in in the refrigerator mike so i made you a plate nice <laughs> and you can take that home with has you is it, it got apple pie or pumpkin or something like that no you? no we're, we're not a big pie eating family we uh we're a cake eating family so my wife made like a boston cream cake you know what a boston cream is like the donut yeah. she made a boston cream cake and then she's got this homemade cookie recipe i know everyone out there is like Stop talking about Thanksgiving. We're I'm, so I'm, over. I'm not sure. I'm not sure my apron's going to fit today. <laughs> well, you you might have uh, not enough room for some of the tools that you carry around with. Outside of Thanksgiving, everything else going okay with you over there? You get everything's it ready. Everything's going good. Everything's going good. In the last few days, I've got in videos to look at horses from a couple of different trainers. Are you going to post those on your YouTube channel as well? Do you want our it's audience? It's okay with me as long as it's okay with everyone else. Yeah, yeah. As long as the audience and and uh, the people involved are okay with. That. Right. We've got to check with the people involved. We'll have some uh, non-disclosure things you can pass out and sign. You should keep those in the back of the truck. So anytime you talk about something, you mind if we use this on the air? Mind if- yeah. Now, something I do want to bring up is uh, last week I mentioned something about Mike taking x-rays. Mike, in my mind, I'm like not physically taking x-rays. Mike physically has them and takes them from the veterinarian. So um, on last week's show, I said something about Mike taking the x-rays. You didn't take the x-rays. You just took, no, them, no, from no, the, no, no, you no. took them from the veterinarian when he had them. There are a few farriers that have x-rays unit i've not gotten into that and and you don't want to get into that because i it's, don't particularly want to there's a lot of liability and there's some gray area well not only that you can focus more in on the actual details right. of what you're doing and let someone else who's got a little bit more professional time do those and a lot of those horses that i need x-rays on i need some other hands involved the vets that work with me they they communicate directly with me a lot and the importance of working with a team and making sure that you've got the right people on your staff and i say staff a nice group of people that everyone compliments each other as far as helping right. everyone out 
So right. I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, if you heard me say that that Mike takes the pictures, he physically doesn't take the picture in my mind. I physically say, like saying that he physically took the pictures from the veterinarian to physically look at them. I didn't right. want there anyone are, to get misconstrued there on There are applications in machine shops and welding and such things as that where x-ray units are used. With proper paperwork, you can get set up to have an x-ray unit. When you get into diagnosing, that's a little different deal. There's, so there's some, there's some liabilities involved with that. And I have vets I work very close with, and I intend on continuing doing that because in these situations, I always need backup. And I had an uh, MRI the other day, which is a total different experience in itself. Mike, have you ever had an MRI done? Yes, I have. Why do they have to make the machine sound so loud and so obnoxious? It's like every warning sound that you've ever heard as a child going off in your ears at the same time. And they say, be calm, don't panic. <laughs> well, these are all the alarm sounds that I've ever heard of in my life. You know, Well, you know, they've got to have something for entertainment. All right. Like so- a video game. So as far as entertainment, we have a big show to get into, so stick around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He was the official farrier of the 2018 World Equestrian Games. And if you have a question for Mike Stein, the way you get those questions into him is to go to equinedynamics.com. At the top of the page says contacts. Fill that out. Put a return address in there as well. And Mike will send you out some magnets, some stickers. He's got a little button on his uh, trousers there that he uh, he can send out to you as well. Just put a return address. And if we read your question on the air, he will send those out to you as well. And over to my far hand side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good, Travis. How are you? You look a little sleepy. Is the turkey uh, stuffing getting to you? That, 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 yeah, the turkey's still getting to me. Or the idea that I've got a whole other plate in there for yeah, you I'm to kinda, eat. Yeah, I'm kind of trying to get geared up for that. All right. Speaking of getting geared up, you came across a horse many years ago. This is a case study that you came across. This is an uneven horse named Cody. Now, for every podcast we do, we have a matching video as well. You can see me waving a mic, Mike waving to me. You can see this horse in real time as we're talking about it here on the air. So we're going to go to camera six, and we're going to look at a horse, an uneven horse named Cody. So here is, where's she at? There she is. She is a he. Oh, she is a he. Okay. She is a he. Now, what? Let, let's start with this. An uneven horse. When you say an uneven horse, what are we looking at as far as an uneven horse? We're going to show you in just a minute. Okay. From left to right, there's some differences in this horse. And, you know, when people are looking at horses, in our minds, we want to make them all symmetrical. And they're not any more than we are. The way Disney draws them. And Cody, on this side, at this point in life, he's late 20s. It's an interesting story because there was a set of papers work from he was about four years old the horse came from california and went to ohio and as i remember and a couple other places and then here actually just down the road from you oh really oh yeah before i moved here i'm sure before you moved here this was a barn down on goldmine road down the road from you and if you look at him and pay attention to that little little mane right up at the top of the this little flip right here a little flip right there because mm-hmm. that's one of those things i always say you know look at that it usually falls in the hole well that's not always true it gives you a place to start looking and thinking and you've got to confirm it but you look at the muscling on this guy on this side and the shape of his barrel and, and all that you know, for a horse that's in his later 20s, not bad. I mean, he's just kind of an old-school quarter horse type guy. Is he overweight? I see this little bulge right here on his hind quarters. Is he overweight, or is this a good weight for this horse? You know, he he's one of those quarter horses that leans towards the chunkier side. Okay. And as far as the muscle bulk, they'll carry more. And... They can be a little thicker right there above the stifle joint, and that's some of what that is. And you got that big dimple in the stifle joint itself, and you see how straight he's standing with the hind leg. 
the big thing that really kind of got me on this horse was, and this was when I was going back and forth with Tony Gonzalez, and there was a prescription sent from Moses that was Tony's brother on this horse because Moses had worked on him in California when he was about four years old. Had done a little bit of an offset shoeing job in the back end because of him being uneven in the, in the back. But over the years, you know, with the changes and everything else, if you flip over to the next slide, now these slides, we had some that were edited, so we've edited a lot of stuff out. This was literally on the same day. And the sun's hitting different, so it makes it makes him look different. He looks actually skinnier in this picture than the other picture. That was done by walking around the horse with the camera okay. at that moment. And look at the bracing. Look at the lack of muscle in the shoulder. The back on this side looks different right under the withers. Yeah, I mean, this whole front quarter here is like he's, he's a muscle-building horse. Right. And then you flip it over here, and it looks like he's emaciated. Mm-hmm. He is actually lower on the shoulder on this side, even though the mane is falling. That little tough mane was trying to fall into the the bigger stronger shoulder typically most time it'll fall to the lower shoulder so this will kind of lie to you sometimes yeah because his mane's all on this side well his his mane is roached they used to do that with a lot of roping horses and stuff way back when okay so it's been cut off except for that last little bit at the bottom and it falls actually onto the low side you got a big deep pocket right behind the scap you know right behind your your, uh, withers so the back is different from left to right if you look down him his whole body is bowed out to that left side so he's not straight. So he's with his barrel bowed out to that left side. And that's part of why he looks so much bigger through the barrel because he's got the barrel pushed out. And it's kind of strange. And some of this, this is the light, but the hair coat looks a little different. But it's like this is when I was going back and forth with Clyde Caldwell and I was sending him pictures. He used to you know, shoot film and get pictures, get double prints. And he says, this is two different horses. I'm like, no, actually, it's not. But. But pay attention. Even looking at the shape of the neck and the development in the neck, I mean, the whole the whole body is different. And you see in the neck on, on this side where he's carrying a lot of tension through there, it's hollowed out. It's a different horse. So the horse was shooed different from the left to the right. And at this time, it's back when I was using more pad work. Now, I pretty much never use pad work on a horse like this because my skills have developed better. But your horses can be this different. This this guy's kind of an extreme deal. And somehow, I'd end up with these extreme deals because, well, nobody else will touch it. Let's call Mike because he'll try anything. You know, I learned so much from dealing with these guys. It, it always became a challenge. This is another one of those horses where I put hours and hours of scratching my head. And that's where I got a bald spot right here, scratching too much. It's all <laughs> Because Cody. What was this horse's job? His job was to go trail riding. At this point, he is not going trail riding. When we got him more evened out, some stretching, some massaging, the shoulder on this side was all knotted up and atrophied, and he had a really short stride on this side. I don't have any video of him moving. If we did, it's, it's long since gone and not in the right format for us to use. Now, can you get a saddle? I mean, will he take a saddle with no problem at all? I'm assuming. Well, at this point... I think they were padding up, putting like a bath towel folded up down one side to keep the saddle from sliding off to the side. Yeah, because one side was nice and big and bulky, and you would think that sitting on it after a while, you would kind of drift, kind of like the, the mane would drift into that pocket in right. that hole. And if you pay any attention to to where the mane is, we worked with this horse. This took a while. Another one of those deals where I could have shooed four horses every time I messed with him and probably actually made money, but it was the challenge of it and couldn't let it go. Pay attention 
Okay. You want to go back to that picture? Look where the main is right there. It falls over onto that right side. So this is a picture. The distances are, I'm I'm up on them closer. And and the horse is heavier at this point. Is this all the same day as well? This is about a year and a half later. So this is, the horse has been correctly shooed now, or at least changed the way they're addressing the shoes and massaging and getting the horse. Stretching and a lot of work on that right shoulder to try to break loose movement. And this was before I'd met Ray. So my, my massage skills were not near what they were i had gone through a little chiropractic training not enough to say that i knew anything and then i was doing body work with clyde caldwell some at that point and clyde did a lot of body work and was a farrier and he he did chiropractor work early on in stretching and moving and getting the horse to, to reach for stuff on the other side we actually got him straighter and more square i think the last time i saw him he was about 28 years old and he was doing some light trail riding All right, guys, we're going to take a quick little break, and we're going to come back and listen to more of the story about Cody, the uneven horse. And don't forget, continue with the story as far as the lost herd in Mineral Springs. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. We'll be right back. Dynamics with Mike Stein. He was the 2017 American Eventing Championship Farrier. And don't forget, for every podcast we do, we have a matching video as well. And we were talking about Cody, the uneven horse. And the way you can see these videos in real time is go to YouTube. Make sure you like, subscribe. We appreciate all the people subscribing over there. Make sure you share us as well on your Facebook pages and stuff. We'd really appreciate that as well. And if you have a question for Mike Stein, make sure you go to equinedynamics.com. Fill out that little form there. Any questions you have for Mike, we'll read them on the air or he'll just answer them in real time through an email and make sure you put a return address we'll send you out some magnets some stickers and some buttons like mike has over there on his suspenders and uh, over to my far hand side slapping his suspenders around is mike stein how are you i'm doing good travis i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you on that last session so now cody was bulky on one side let me go back to that camera here so you can see it camera six there we go cody was thin on one side bulky on the other side and then this picture that we're looking at right here is after a year's worth of work probably about a year and a half and tell me the, the the process as far as how this horse got to this. It was long-term damage. It was a rider that probably didn't sit even. Uh, He's been protecting things that he's injured over the years. Putting in the right work and being patient and consistent and not over-pushing your horse, we can take horses like this, and this is an older horse. They can be brought back to a better place than most of them end up going. That's what I was, a lot. That's what I was going to say. Is it, is it something where that horse is 20 years old? There's no, you know, it's not worth my time putting time and effort in that horse because that horse is always going to be that way. But no, you're saying that if you just have the dedication and if you care about the horse, right. if anything, if you care about the horse and this is going to be your horse, you know, the effort and and the time that you put into it to correct these issues. Right. And if you went back in time to Moses and what had happened in between, was this even being looked at? Because back when he was four years old, there were some differences noticed. Now you're talking about Moses, your friend, not Moses from the Bible, right? Moses Gonzalez, yes. Tony's brother. <laughs> I just want to make sure because some people will go, is he talking about biblical times? I don't know. So Moses Gonzalez during his time and, and with this horse as well. Right. And Tony wrote the book, Proper Balance Movement, A Diary of Lameness. Those guys had a lot to do with dealing with these uneven horses. I mean, that's the point is pay attention. You can take pictures with yourself 
cell phone and look at two sides of your horse, and you can start seeing things. And knowing is the first place to start. If you don't know, well, my horse is fine. I think we have more advantage now in this day and age as far as correcting this more instantaneously as to back then. Back then, you would have to physically take the picture, take the roll of film, go down somewhere, get it developed, then bring it back. By the time you get it developed, you know, you've lost your ambition as far as looking at the horse and getting all that stuff done. Well, at this time, I was taking a lot of pictures because I was consulting back and forth when Tony felt like it after the strokes and all that and with Clyde Caldwell and the way you did it is you got double prints and you numbered them and you sent off an envelope because I'm scratching my head on what's going on and then Clyde gives me the 500 question thing and if you don't know he sends me back to the horse when I got pretty solid with it I wasn't taking pictures of every horse that I worked on yeah but now we have the advantage of I mean my trainer we've got instant right your trainer just sent me videos, videos from this morning of your new horse or your wife's new horse my wife's new horse my new project I guess you, you're sponsoring it <laughs> it's Sponsor is correct. Now, Mike, last week you were talking about this lost herd of horses over Mineral Springs, North Carolina. And the horses start out as a, a couple stallions and a, and a, a couple a, mares and a stallion. And then they multiply. They do what horses do. And now there, there's a herd out there. Right. And someone called animal control because they thought these horses were running around in the cold weather without blankets or anything on. Last week you were talking about the, the backs, how you can tell that some horses were ridden because people have retired some of their horses out there in these fields and you could tell that the backs of these horses were ridden just by the shape of them as compared to the wild ones are out there now we're going to talk about the actual feet and the conditions of these horses that were out there left alone no one bothering them no one actually taking care of them they're just out there being horses doing horse things yes and you know we'd gone out in the truck but to get closer to them we went out on foot and they were not particularly fond of people so this took a while to get near them and with the mayor's and the older stallion and the older mares, we never got close to them. Some of the bachelor horses we started getting close to, and it was kind of like doing a little bit of round pen work in 500 acres. So you didn't want to over push them, and you had to spend some time out there. And during all this, we got a bit of a surprise because there was an old house on the property, and we'd heard some pretty big banging around there. Spooky house. And uh, did anyone live in the house? I should. Well, I should apparently, let's start with that. Apparently, they did, but it wasn't what we expected at all. They were using it as a stable or something, weren't they? Well, in some of the bumping and banging and pushing and all this kind of stuff, it's like, good lord, there was a buffalo. <laughs> There was a bull buffalo because the old man wanted one at some point, and he put it out there. And it stayed in the house when it was hot. And bumping and banging and crashing, and he scratched himself in there. Well, we really weren't aware of this. And this thing came to the front door, and the head came through. It must have been an old china shop at one time. Well, the head came through the front door, and he's grunting and carrying on. And we're 75 yards from the house, and backs up, and he hits the front door. And it's like, oh, crap. You know, he fed the horses honey buns, right? Right. Well, we didn't even think about this. We're just thinking, mm, where can we go? The thing hits the door a couple of times and disappears. Here it comes out the back of the house. And this is this bull buffalo. You've been out to Yellowstone, right? I have, yes. The bison. You've seen the size of those things. They're huge. I told my wife to get up close to them. And I'm like, nah, they won't mess with it. But sure enough, yeah, they, they throw tourists left and right. That's like their hobby. Right. So this thing's coming around the house and it's excited. Apparently, we're thinking, oh, crap, we got a problem. And we're looking. There's like an old, a couple of farm trucks. And it's like, can't outrun them distance-wise. Like, do like in the movies. Climb right up a tree. There wasn't a tree. <laughs> Jumping the, the, the back of the truck or in so, the trunk. Kind of thinking that the trainer that's out there, I'm going to have to kick him in the knee. You know the whole thing about you don't have to be able to outrun the bear? 
You just have to run, outrun the slowest guy. Well, here it comes and it stops. It's there looking at it. It's made some noise. It's got snot running out of its nose and all this sort of deal. And it just stood there and it looked at us. We're like, okay. We didn't go anywhere, but we're going to go, you go this way, you go this way. And this <laughs> Good, luck. Good luck to both of you. Right, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, here's the buffalo. Okay. And it's looking at us. We're not going to move. And it turned around and it went back to the house. So we kind of eased on out, got around the horse. We left that day, went back to Mr. Shannon. There's a buffalo out there. So he said, yeah, he lives in that house when it's hot. He scratches and he's knocking most all the walls down in there. And he says, we never feed him honey buns out of the truck because he start, got where he was, was scrubbing himself on the truck. And Mr. Shannon always had a gun with him, so he'd fire the gun and run the buffalo off. So if we went out on the foot, he'd get honey buns. So he was just looking for a honey bun. <laughs> but anyway, after that, we got to going out there, and I went out there by myself and spent hours kind of easing towards him, not scaring him, walking off, easing towards him, got, walking off. You're talking about the buffalo, right? The, no, 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 the horse. We're oh, back the, horse. the horses. Oh, back, back on to the horses. horses. Okay. I got lost, jumped ahead, left. You didn't mean it. And some of the younger horses had gotten where we noticed they would break away from the stallion band. Well, they were much more approachable. Teenagers. Yeah. So then we got smart. I had to go buy honey buns. Well, they were real interested in the smell of honey buds. So kind of use that, kind of easing up to them. And actually, a couple of them had let us touch them. Now, I don't know if there was had been somebody's horse they were handling that had been put out there or not. But there were horses that were younger that probably had never seen a saddle. And actually got to ease down, ease down, ease down. got to lift a foot or two. And you know, during all this, we're looking at the tracks out there. I'd been going back and forth with Gene Ovenack. You know, he was involved way back with a lot of the Bowker work. And early on in my career, I was doing a lot, you know, pushing people to go barefoot with horses for some certain reasons that I would not now. But there are still plenty of horses that, that I do barefoot and mean to. The reason I was doing that at that time, my, my skills were not as polished, fabricated, and all that kind of stuff. And my knowledge wasn't where it is now. And how long ago was this? Uh, this is 20, 20 years ago. Okay. Actually, it was further back because I think at the time I was driving the green truck, which had been dead gone for years mm-hmm. mid, mid to later 90s but anyway there was a lot of things i couldn't do so i was trying to figure out well doing what i'm doing i can't get past that so if we get the shoes off some of this thing and some of them will and you know, to this day i still have plenty of horses out there that we work on barefooting because it's appropriate for the situation don't always want to put a bunch of stuff on a horse if it's needed if we got to fix something in a hurry that's a, that's a totally different deal in the North Carolina environment, during the wet season, those horses would pack their feet, and the foot would grow over it. They got weather rings. And I talked to Ovenak about this, and he said that's kind of what happens to the horses in the wetland areas. They still had the breakover at a similar point because they ended up walking on a dirt ball, and they would roll across it. If you see how people do these clogs on feet on like some of these founder horses and they roll off the edges really hard and roll the brake over way back under it, so they're walking on a ball. It's kind of that kind of concept, but it was just packed in clay. The ground got dry eventually the clay would come out and they'd blow off hoof wall because they'd come down and flare out over it and right at where you had these weather rings that whole thing would snap off and it'd snap off fairly clean and that's kind of where it was self-trimming you still had similar breakover and loading patterns as you would on on some of these mustang studies now the thing with the mustang studies when you're looking at all that it's always looking at like the pristine foot and the hard environment when you start digging deeper i know they had done a lot of research in australia where they were looking at the most polished most pristine feet some of those had the most internal damage and where some of the horses that were on softer ground where you had some flares and all that as far as the coffin bone and your your laminar damage you had less damage on them than the one that was abused as far as the 
outer shell of the foot, the ones that had the really polished off, really short, really hard breakover foot, some of those had the most damage. Chris Pollitt's work down in Australia is well worth looking at and has done some really, really neat stuff with the horses. It was a learning experience because that was all a big deal with Mustangs. All right, guys, stick around. we got a couple more segments to get into, and we'll look to get back to enjoying the rest of your day. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He is now a licensed thoroughbred farrier as of this year through the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. And if you'd like to ask Mike Stein a question, any question at all, go to equinedynamics.com, fill out that little form. And if you'd like Mike to appear at your event or give a clinic at your location, uh, all the information is up there as well. Make sure you fill that out and Mike will respond to you as soon as he possibly can. And over to my far hand side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good. Now, you, you were talking about how the mud was building up on these horses, the lost herd over there in Mineral Springs, North Carolina. And then the mud would dissipate after the wet season and the horse's foot would lose it's whatever the flare over that would happen would kind of break off yeah and so that was nature's way of trimming a horse's foot in nature in in the kind natural of, yeah. yes how does nature take care of their foots their feet their hooves like in colorado for example because you don't get the wetland you don't get the pack of right of mud in well, there the, the on the horse on the hard pack that are constantly on there they're constantly polished off a little at a time so it's just like a, a, a huge emery board that they're right. walking on and it. they're always polishing off and the way they break over they're polishing a little bit of a roller into the foot the gravel's eating away at the wall and their their soles are very callous now when you go to like new zealand where you have the wetland horses you say you have a lot of flaring the canadian horses are yet again different do you think and i'm just throwing this out there do you think the horses actually know and understand this like hey here's the wet season i need to start packing my feet because i know if i don't i'm gonna have trouble later on with this ring of you know material that's gonna happen i don't know my god i think the horses are probably think i'm gonna go over here and get something to eat right they're not thinking about their feet. They're thinking no, I don't about think what's they're going. thinking that much about it. I think they're they're fine. Yeah, the really neat thing with those horses, as far as like these bulbs of the hills that are kind of emaciated and collapsed, and I'm gonna pick on thoroughbreds a little bit on that. That's okay. And underrun hills. There's none here. Narrow, you know, contracted feet, that kind of stuff. You did not see it. Where in domestic horses, you're going to see that. And, and, and I can also talk about horses that have never even been chewed. I've had horses that have never been chewed at all who that have had contracted heels. And so what's up with that? You can't completely blame that on the shoes. Some of it's the maintenance. These horses are wearing off for moving foot faster than horses that have been in a small area and not had their feet trimmed at all. So out of all these horses, these wild horses that were out there, were you able to examine at least 80% of them and give your estimate as far as these horses' feet are better left in the, these conditions without human contact, without human touch, without human interactions? We, as far- able, we were not able to get close to 80% of them. You know, <laughs> they were smart. Like, no, we're not. He doesn't have enough honey buns for us. Right. So we're going to get that close to them. The horse we saw up close were the younger ones. And I'll tell you, when we went out there and the herd decided to move, I didn't see a lame horse in the bunch. There were 30 plus horses out there and it wasn't because we were maintaining them. 
what we did see is the horses that had been ridden, we saw differences in backs on them. But the ones that had not been messed with compared to what I deal with with feet had a pretty good foot on them. So the horses that you that were turned out there that were actually ridden at one time you, because of the back issues and stuff, there's no one out there doing their feet. Those horses with, that have been ridden, did you see any issues with their feet after they've been turned out and left alone to be horses? Yeah, there were there, some of those that had been left out there. If you learn to look at the, you know, the hair lines and all that, where you have like the low and negative Palmer angles, some of those would fall in that category. But the ones that had probably never been touched by humans would not really fall in that category. So it's us. We're doing it to the horses. Right. We're driving them down in the middle. <laughs> when you collapse the back of the horse down, you collapse their feet. I've had situations where we swapped riders on a horse and foot problems started clearing up and to swap back to the other rider and those, you're, you're chasing those same foot problems again. And, you know, it's always the farrier. It's not what's done up, up top. But I was just going to say, and to reiterate, you're not saying don't ride horses. Oh, if, no. If you're, you're going to ride horses, understand that there are certain issues and stuff that we as humans are doing to the horses that need to be corrected, basically, hence the podcast, from the ground up. And it's not just that. Everything up top it all is all interconnected. And pay attention to your horse. One thing that is a pet peeve of mine is asking for these big maneuvers when your horse is not physically prepared. That's how we injured them. And if you talk to any vet out there who deals with leg tendon ligament injuries, I think we see more tendon ligament injuries now than we've ever seen for the horse population. What's going on? Too much, too fast. We can build muscle at one rate, tendons and ligaments prepare for the work at another rate. If you've got a horse that's inverted, the horses that I work, have brought home to work with that we've gotten their backs up, never had a saddle on them. And they actually were not work that much. I got to do what I needed to do with their feet mechanically, and that helped. You know, the, the groundwork, and some of it just simple as doing belly lifts. Okay, what's the one of the big things now? Oh, we've got kissing spine. Everybody's got kissing spine nowadays, it seems like. You should never hear about that. It's the buzzword. The kissing spine, if you drop the back, those spines get closer together. If you raise the back, they spread out. If you've got strong abs on a horse, they can lift their back. So you're talking, you're, you're saying horse crunches. Right, do horse crunches. <laughs> if your horse collapses, it drives the stifle straight, drives the hock straight, and it drives that palmer angle down, locks the shoulder, same thing in the front end. And as a farrier, we do our best to work around what we've got in front of them, but that's that's the struggle. All right, guys, stick around. we got one more little segment to get into, and we'll let you get back to enjoying the rest of your day. You listen to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. Girl, look at that body. Girl, look at that body. Girl, look at that body. I work out. Girl, look at that body. Girl, look at that body. Girl, look at that body. I work out when I walk in the spot. This is what I see. Everybody stops and is staring at me. I got passion in my pants and I ain't afraid to show it. Show it. Show it. Show it. Sexy and I know it. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the best podcast to create sound of horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman fair with an APF one accreditation. Make sure you follow him on Facebook as well. Mike's always posting a bunch of different things up there on Facebook. So if you'd like to further your education or just learn a little bit more about your horses, follow him over on Facebook as well. And that's Equine Dynamics Mike Stein. And over to my far inside is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Travis? Doing all right. All right. So what did we learn today? We talked about the une- uneven horse named Cody and you said it's never too late to give up on a horse. I mean, it's not never give up on a horse. You can give up on a horse anytime you want to, (laughs) but you can always do something. Yes. And the big takeaway from this is pay attention when they're young and do take care of it when it doesn't take that much. Pictures, pictures, pictures. Longevity, 
longevity horses should be retired because of old age, not unsoundness. And the mystery behind the lost herd over Mineral Springs. You know, that was an interesting situation to get into. At the time, there was all, all this stuff flying around out there at everybody's theory of the Mustangs and people doing research of the Mustangs. And I got a chance to look firsthand at a little closer to domestic horses, but they and they were. They were feral pretty much because they were inside a huge fence. They've seen humans before. They've seen humans before, but they weren't handled. They weren't broke. They weren't. But you got to see the horse without the human interference. You know, that's the same reason I got into the Mustangs that I brought home and dealing with them because, okay, I want to see some of this firsthand. So there's always something to be learned. And so where is Cody now? He was in his later 20s at that last picture, Mm -hmm. which was mid to later 90s. Okay, so he's probably not around anymore. He's probably not around anymore. And the lost herd, what has happened to the lost herd? What's the update on that? That property was bought, from what I understand, by the railroad. The houses, the old farm equipment, everything is gone. The, the horses were herded up and rounded up, and I think they went to an auction. I don't know where they went from there. If, if you guys know what happened to the lost herd or have any information on that, make sure you email us at any time over at equinedynamics.com. And uh, make sure you follow Mike on Facebook, and make sure you like him over on YouTube as well. Like, subscribe, and share. We'd appreciate that as well. All right, guys, on that note, we're going to let you get back to enjoying the rest of your day. On behalf of Mike Stein over there... Have a good day. Thank you, Travis. My name's Travis Sand. See you next week. All of the doggies are in the corral. All of your work is done. Just close your eyes and dream, little pal.